0: In this podcast, I often talk about how our mindset, our leader's mindset, our attitude and our identity as a leader are determining 99% of our actions and how we show up when we delegate, when we coach, when we manage our time, when we manage people's performance and lead a team and cast a vision and the how-tos that we so often see and get exposed to when we're watching a linkedin course on leadership or reading a book those are actually the top of the iceberg so much of who you are and how you're being perceived as a leader and your effectiveness as a leader is coming from how you see yourself on the inside and the specific qualities and character traits and values and principles that you wanna bring forth in your day-to-day role and being really intentional about cultivating those. And for this reason, I'm thrilled to bring on my guest, Dr. Allison Horsmeyer today to talk about curiosity and how a curiosity-oriented mindset has wide-ranging benefits for leaders. It's a former Fortune 500 executive turned talent development facilitator, executive coach, and what I find really interesting, humanistic researcher. She is considered to be one of the pioneering humanistic researchers in workplace curiosity. Her work has been published in peer-reviewed journals and business publications, including Forbes, Chief Learning Officer, CEO World Magazine, as well as in HBR Press. Allison works with clients such as Hulu, Verizon Media, Dolby, Vanguard, and many more to help them with leadership development, healthy team interdynamics and cohesion, and agile creative experimentation. Alison believes curiosity is innate in each one of us, we just tend to stifle it away. I hope you're as curious about this conversation as I am. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role? Build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization. That's the question and this show provides the answers welcome to the manager track podcast i'm your host Ramona shaw and i'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress but as a source of contribution connection and fulfillment and this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders i'm a leadership coach a mom of three a coffee lover and a travel enthusiast Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Hi Allison. so good to have you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us today and blocking out time in your busy calendar. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with you and looking forward to our conversation.
0: Same here. So I was just telling you before we hit record how much I use the word be curious, or let's take a curiosity driven approach here in my coaching conversations. But you took that to a whole new level by actually studying curiosity and the curiosity mindset and the implications on leaders and organizations as sort of a focus in your work. Mm -hmm. What sparked your interest in this topic and got you excited about studying it further?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. So I I come from a long tenure of building businesses at the intersection of tech and media, uh, typically global birth purview, typically new technology. And I really enjoyed, you know, working with international sales teams and cross-functional teams and really helping other people be successful and, and really figuring out how we could align the agendas of what we were trying to accomplish with, you know, our clients and the best interests of our clients. And in that process, I noticed a lot of different leadership styles. I had gone through leadership development training, gotten my 360 feedback, you know, certainly was an eye-opening experience. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like really? That's what they think about me. Wow. What do I need to change? And, and I really noticed a lot of anxiety, complacency, fear, you know, stress just kind of, and, and how people were using that in their leadership to run their teams. And I just, I've always been fascinated by the mind body connection, how we show up, you know, from a emotional and mental and spiritual and physical standpoint, like really how are we engaging in the world and with each other? And so I went back, to school, to, to actually study my body science, behavioral science, social science, and, it, and I was really investigating anxiety, and then it was in my mindfulness research, I, was, I said, oh, wow, can, can you be curious and anxious all at the same time? That was incredibly naive, and at the same time, it led me down this really rich journey into the complex world of, of curiosity, only to come back. To anxiety in a, in a bit a different way because it is indelibly tied into curiosity. Uh, we call that the stress tolerance dimension of curiosity. It's really how we manage the anxiety, doubt, and confusion along the way as we are exploring the unfamiliar, new, ambiguous. Kind of sounds like our our world today. And I really wanted to see how we could leverage curiosity in the workplace whether that was in my own consulting practice with team development and executive coaching and, and other things. And just, you know, how could we start really integrating this meta skill that is innate in each one of us mm-hmm. in a way that could really serve us to navigate so much change. We have so much change all the time around us. So I, I think that the last almost two years have really demonstrated that We need to be open to new ways of being and doing and acting, because that is how we are going to build our resilience and really co-create together meaningful solutions. And I think a lot of times curiosity is often connected to creativity and innovation, which absolutely the the research supports that. At the same time, I I don't think we think of it enough as using it to build self-awareness and also how we uh, engage with others. And that there's a, really a whole intra and interpersonal component to curiosity. And that's what's really fascinating for me. Because I see when we are intentional about bringing that in, uh, good things happen. Yeah. And you, you spoke to so many different things that sort of sparked my interest
0: here with how we are looking at we, curiosity with ourselves. So developing um, a greater sense of awareness by asking really challenging questions, right? I often say like, look at the womb, like don't just cover it up with band-aids. Like you gotta, in order to heal it and, and get stronger, you gotta actually open it up and look and that can feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but that's so worth it. And with that, developing greater sense of self-awareness and becoming more effective as a result, as well as you talked about sort of working cross-functionally and so constantly dealing with situations where you lack knowledge. You don't know all the details. When we deal with uncertainty in these in circumstances and in the environment and changing plans and dealing with unknown factors and all of that, sort of the outside perspective of, of change and how curiosity can help us that way. If you look at specific leaders that you work with, and maybe let's look at leaders who have just recently transitioned into a leadership role, and there are any ways, like going through a lot of change with their role and their responsibilities and the mind shift changes that need to happen alongside, mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the ways that you see this curiosity come into play the most?
1: Yeah, so the facets of curiosity are, are not knowing. So something happens to cause a gap in your knowledge, or there's a violation of expectation, like literally something you expected didn't go according to plan, pretty much Mm -hmm. sounds like our daily lives, And then that leads to some kind of exploration. And during that exploration, there has to be a a level of openness. So openness, whether it's being open-minded, open to other people's ideas, open to the experience that you are having. Mm -hmm. And... By exploring and being open, there's an opportunity for you to build resilience because you're probably experiencing some stress and anxiety and you might want to bail, but what I see with the executives that I work with that are making the transition is something we talked about before we got on is that they shift from being the doers and the tacticians and the one that operationalizes to the one that now is holding the North Star and the vision, essentially the why and what, and they're enabling others on the how. So they've spent a lot of time in the how world and now Mm -hmm. they're moving to establishing the what and why. And why I bring up the not knowing is because it's an opportunity for them to understand that their team is not gonna do it the way they did. or or is going to do, and probably will bring something new and different to the table if you just allow others to bring ideas half-baked forward, and you say, this is the direction. I don't know how to get there. Yeah. Yeah what do you recommend? What are your thoughts? Go think about it and come back and let's, let's brainstorm. We see time and time again, I see it anecdotally as well as in, you know, a business literature that when leaders say, here's where I, here's where we need to go and Mm -hmm. why, and I'm leaving like up to you to figure it out. I'm here to coach you and, and to work on it together. That gets a lot of results instead of, instead of, moving into your leadership role and saying, I got to have this all figured out. I got to have the direction, exactly how we're going to do it. It's, it's no, like, like give room, give room for exploration and for, for kind of agile iteration, you know, coming with ideas, testing something out, seeing how that works, pivoting, because we also want to be Really careful of our cognitive biases. Those really inform erroneous ways of looking at the world because they're blind spots. We're just kind of wired to go for confirmation bias or status quo bias or uh, framing things to really downplay the negative implications or ramifications of what we're finding. That, those need to actually be put on the table. Say, you know, what are what are we missing? What are we assuming? are these really the right assumptions? What am I assuming? What are you assuming? And when you're having that type of dialogue and you're really encouraging exploration, there has to be a level of openness to what's coming in because it may totally contradict what you believe. And yes. if you're still holding on to what you believe is true and not actually what's transpiring in front of you and unfolding in front of you, then you're in total disservice to the greater good and what you're trying to accomplish. So I love when people say I'm inquisitive and I say, great, how open are you to what you're receiving? What if it totally just contradicts everything that you believe? How are you going to respond? How are you going to explore further? How are you going to challenge that maybe in a way to see uh, if you can have some debate to really get to the root cause or maybe a new creative solution. So we don't want to always control for agreement. We actually want dissent and debate because that's the birthplace of creativity. And so really that leadership role as they move into creating safe containers for that debate and exploration right there, essentially co-creating psychological safety.
0: Oh, so good. Um, I want to quickly um, highlight something that you said that I think was so, so important so when we think about curiosity we might immediately go to like oh i ask questions i'm having a curiosity driven mindset but the thing that you highlighted here um, that really st- st- stood out to me was when we come with this curiosity mindset and we ask questions or we challenge assumptions then that will create often a space where we feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because it leaves room for any kind of feedback. It leaves room for any kind of way to do the thing that we want to get done. And we might want to have it this way and someone else then will do it in a different way. It will show up differently than what we had envisioned. It would look like, for example, it's still solving the purpose and the why meeting that, but the how is very different. And that uncertainty and that lack of control creates the anxiety. And I think so many times, especially new manager will think oh my god this is not good this is too risky or I can't let that happen because well my head is my name is on the line and so I have to be more clear and I have to not just be more clear but be more prescriptive in order to solve for that anxiety Mm -hmm. when in fact what you're saying is no 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 the anxiety is just a side product of being more curious. And that doesn't mean you're on the wrong track. It actually means you're probably going down the right track. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Going down the right track. And that's just part of dealing with it. And by tolerating the anxiety or uncertainty that you're in, and maybe even doubt that you encounter, you're building resilience in the process.
1: Yeah. I have one executive. She, whenever she's, because really where the anxiety is coming from is a narrative. You're telling yourself in that moment, like I've got mm-hmm. this, I mean, it might be going off the rails. Okay. Then bring it back. At the same time, if, if you're just getting anxiety, because it seems to be going down a path that you haven't yet contemplated, well, that's such a gift because mm-hmm. that it actually in the research, we shows that if we use our curiosity to uh, create the spaces for exploration and testing and seeing, other possibilities we reduce errors in the long run so Uh you're actually being quote more efficient right but also I have one executive you know when she starts with the story she said this she says to herself the story I'm telling myself is Uh and she gets really clear that it's just a story or you know you can use the work of of Byron Katie her four questions I love her four questions is you know what about the story you know is the story true how can you absolutely know it's true Uh who are you when you believe the story how do you act how do you behave what do you think and then the last question is the best part who are you without the story
0: because
1: Uh we want to really put aside our preconceived notions our biases and Pay attention to what's coming in. In the the creativity literature, openness to experience is the leading predictor of creativity, more than divergent thinking, more than IQ, and more than past experience. So while you have domain expertise, you're, you're needing new experiences to continue to grow those expertise. And the only way I know how to do that or that I've seen is that you explore, you're open, you test. I'm not saying like stuff's always going to work out. It's not, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's, it's super comfy. It's not, <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> you know, it's not, I can tell you firsthand, my study participants were pretty clear when it came to like deep transformative personal growth, it was not comfy at all. And, and the richness that is there in those experiences is what you can bring forward.
0: Yeah. It's funny, this idea of what we think it should be like, and especially leadership, right? What should leadership be like? And why is it so hard to lead people, for example? It was so much easier when it was just me and I could just do my thing and be good at it. And now I'm <laughs> leading people and this is so hard. It's like, well, it you're not doing it wrong. It's just, that's why you're leading and and that's what you're <laughs> buying into so You you grow and you expand and, and you get uncomfortable in the process. Mm-hmm. But that I think that curiosity mindset is such a good remedy, and it's and it's
1: really powerful to help you tune in to your team members because everybody's going to be wired differently. I just had the conversation with a a coachee this morning that you know she she's a star performer, she's a rock star, she has incredibly high standards, she's very driven, and when she was initially coaching and mentoring, she was very very directive hard driving and, and some people love love the tough love other people are like whoa I don't I don't even know what to do with this 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 seems like really rough elbows and she really had to tune in meeting where people are and adjusting her style because she was really coming from a place of, of positive intent it's just that she hadn't yet fine-tuned her style did she do something wrong? No, she just hadn't developed that aspect of her leadership yet to really help individuals in the way that they needed to be helped, uh-huh. and to really adjust her style to support them in a way that that she could meet them where they were at. And I, I think that's another big shift for for new leaders is it takes time. It takes time. Yeah. You got to get to know people. Got to got to understand what makes them tick. How how they might work. I had that same conversation with a new leader yesterday. She was getting some pushback from one of her teammates on her request. And it's because he wanted to really understand how to prioritize what she was requesting against what he already had. And her point was like, well, why doesn't he just know how to do that? I know how to do that. And it's like, well. Because he's wired differently. He needs to understand the why, the timeline of the request, you know, the why of the press, the timeline of the press, how this fits into his other work, what you're willing to have him trade Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. and, you know, bring him along to where you want to get. And then, you know, maybe there's a chance for a more open dialogue. Hey, I noticed that there was some confusion on my request. What do you need from me in order to help me understand how to fit those requests in? Yeah. He's never had that conversation with him.
0: Yeah, it's. I think it's often the shadow side of this whole conversation around leadership styles. It's like I get it. Like you have a natural style. It's really important to uh, to learn and build awareness around your natural style. But then it's all about looking at where are people at and flexing your style to yeah. meet them like you're at. Like you were just like you were just saying. And no one has a crystal ball. I think oftentimes two people don't want to ask or don't want to look like they can't figure it out on their own but we don't have crystal balls no one does. so having the conversations like looking for for signals, asking questions I love the question that you said is like what are you assuming? what am I assuming? I thought that was a fabulous <laughs> question you know in, in the right context just bring that up and so like let's look at our assumptions that we're actually not speaking because we think I just implied.
1: Yeah, I, I see it time and time again. Assumptions are like the ultimate derailers, <laughs> it's yeah. a, you know, <laughs> and you your assumptions may be spot on based on what you've been observing and you, they totally may not be. And so the thing with questions, can you get really good at, at asking open-ended questions that really foster, you know, conversation? So those questions usually start with a what or how, even, mm-hmm. even why can put people on defensive why is it that way? Instead of like, how might that work? Or tell me more about that. Can you walk me through your thinking? You know, help help people unpack their thinking because in that process, they might find their own incongruencies and own gaps and be like, oh, huh, hadn't thought about it that way. And so you as a leader are helping them do that. I'm not saying as a leader, you can't be decisive. You can, as long as you've done the homework beforehand. Yeah. You know, And, and the other thing about questions is you can weaponize questions. And so I'm asking you to be really thoughtful and intentional about the way you phrase your questions, what you're really driving at, because I can say, you know, Ramona, why'd you do it that way? Mm -hmm. That's that's a question. It's not a great question. It just has so much charge to it. And like, that totally, like, are you willing to share why you did it that way? (laughs)
0: That's I know immediately I'm thinking like wait what and now I feel like I have to defend myself yes.
1: like actually sharing my thought process yeah. yeah so we we actually want to think of ways not putting people on the defensive because as soon as that happens everybody shut down and that's just gonna start being uh pretty contentious
0: yeah so to make this really tangible for someone who's listening and who thinks, oh, you know, this is true. Like I can relate with some of the stories that you're sharing too. And I can see how sometimes I might just give advice first. I might not ask that question. I might not have done all my homework. I might be a little bit more too prescriptive or I need to know the answers. I need to kind of still be the expert leader and feel really uncomfortable with not having the answers or asking these open questions. Mm-hmm. What specific tips do you have for them to move in, a, in that direction of developing and fostering curiosity for themselves and then building psychological safety for the team?
1: Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, the work that I do with execs, I always have them get really clear on their core values and their mission statement because in their research, there's, it's, it's emergent research, but we are seeing a relationship between values and how you're curious. So if you enjoy autonomy and stimulation and creativity, you may tend to be a natural explorer. If you value, you know, security and tradition, I'm not saying you can't have those values. Those are about staying safe and self-preservation and just know that typically when your anxiety is going up, that value might be an overdrive because you're feeling threatened for some reason. And the curiosity in that moment is up to you to pause your story, check out what's really going on, so you Mm -hmm. can get clarity of what is going on, where this other person is coming from, you know, whatever, or, or go get the information that you feel is missing, that can give you more insights to what's going on instead of spiraling into your stories and assumptions. Yeah. And why I use the values and the mission statement? because those are your touchstones to really guide you. If you, you connected to a mission statement regularly, would you show up differently? How, how would you focus on how you're showing up? The curious curiosity in there is maybe you would send an intention every day with just one word. I'm going to be kind today and then check in at the end of the day. How kind were you? You know, there's different exercises like that, that you can do. The other thing is that, you know, we want to embody and explore our mindset in a way that helps us to rethink. So using the time for review and reflection, I had a development team, they incubate a new like inventions in the medical field and they were doing experiment after experiment after experiment, and they were not getting anywhere on this particular initiative and they were doing so many experiments, they lost track of what experiments they were doing. And they were actually redoing the same experiments. And, and finally, somebody <laughs> on the team said, why don't we stop, mm-hmm. take, take a look and let's review what we've been doing and see what's actually coming forward and, like, and re, really rethink this. Mm-hmm. And so my, my point is that review and reflection is such an integral part of leadership. Mm-hmm. I see it time and time again. The, the executives I work with who get really good at reflecting, reflecting on how they're behaving, reflecting on how their team is behaving, reflecting on how something just went, how a pilot in the market went, you know, having the time to pause and really, you know, ask some of the harder questions. Like, did we do what we set out to do? Why did we get derailed? Maybe there's a new insight in that, I mean, we see that in technology companies all the time where something doesn't work out and then they figure out from that a new feature and it's like a whole whole new way and evolution of the next product. And so that leads into reframing. How good are you at at reframing? Reframing means looking at something the other way. So a great example, I believe it was in a Harvard Business Review article where the the writer talks about the elevator... (coughs) the elevator is, is too slow. And so you would automatically go to fix the elevator, right? Try to make it faster or, or, you know, try to try to solve it that way. And Mm -hmm. then what if you reframed it as the weight is annoying? Then you would be putting in music or mirrors, or I don't know, you would be making the ride more fun. So how are you reframing issues to really get at the crux of the issue, even before you start solving things. I think we 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 jump into action, our action bias goes into overdrive. That's also something to look for. Action bias is great in yeah. paralysis by analysis, but it can go into overdrive as leaders, and then you're fixing and you're not stopping to see like, are we even solving the right thing? Yeah. And reframing is also just a powerful tool for like experiences that you have that you know don't go so well. Well, you know, how. How can I reframe this in a way that I can get some learning out of it? And so, so I really think it's rethinking, reflecting, reframing, and then we have to kind of unlearn to relearn. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the challenge, challenge in a good way as like, what's it's something specific to do and um, what I'm getting from your, from, from, from what you just outlined as a listener, just use this as, as planting some seeds in your, in your mind of paying attention to how curious you are and then build in some self-reflection mm-hmm. to look at how are you doing? How clear are you on your values? And then identify your values, your guiding principles, and continue to, to review, reflect, reframe. Mm -hmm. make that sort of that infinite loop in order to become more curious yourself and then also look at how is your team doing with that and how do you create um, or eliminate biases and create more psychological safety for the team that in this time, I think anyone leading now and who's planning to lead over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years you know, it's not going to be in the execution, it's all going to be in the innovation and in exploring the unknown and dealing Mm -hmm. with the challenge and being creative and all of that.
1: Yeah. And I think fundamentally being human, people don't want to be led by robots. They, if COVID has not taught us anything else, they had, it has taught us they people want empathy, they want vulnerability, they want authenticity, They want to connect. Fundamentally, you know, your your team wants to be of value, be valued and be connected. And so how are you really supporting that? Are you showing who you are so there can be that connection? The leaders I work with when they, you know, they said team like, wow, I I screwed this up. I'm really sorry, guys. Here's what I learned, though, that I think could be really helpful for you. Great. Great. That's great. You just modeled. You don't have to be perfect. Exactly what we want. right? Yeah,
0: totally. And I think even with the being seen and and having the connection, it's not a one way street. So it's, it's about asking the questions and like wanting to understand someone's thought process and someone's preferences and what they truly need and what motivates them. And Part of it is through the signals that we communicate, but then the other part is just having the conversations, right? And asking mm-hmm. and exploring together and creating the space to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's really about perspective seeking. You, you don't have to agree. You don't have to take somebody else's perspective, but you certainly have to seek somebody else's perspective to, to understand yeah. what's going on. I love this
0: conversation. Thank you for helping us um, plant the seeds and help us understand curiosity better. And and even, I think it's so powerful to see the connection with the discomfort and and growth and the resilience as well. And then we touched on so many other aspects, including the biases and psychological safety and creativity and innovation, where all of (laughs) it seems like curiosity just touches on all these really, really important themes that leaders need to uh, pay attention to, be very intentional about
1: You can think of it as a meta skill. It's really a doorway yeah. to so many other skills.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I have two quick questions. So the first one is for someone who says, like, I love this idea. Is there a book out there that you would recommend for people to read to dive deeper into this topic? And then the second question, and that might actually tie into that first question, where can people learn more about you and your work? So I'm a
1: big fan of Adam Grant. He just wrote Think Again which talks uh-huh. a lot about curiosity, building psych safety. He, he calls it think like a scientist and meaning, you know, go and do the research and impact it. I, I prefer think like an explorer because I feel that scientists, we still may want to be a little too perfect. Yep. In general, his context is awesome in that book and really brings home some really good food for thought and some practical tips for reaching me and, and looking at my work you can come to my website, which is drallisonh.com. So D-R-A-L-I-S-O-N-H.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, but certainly there's, there's a way to contact me on my website. You can just fill out the form. Let me know what you're interested in. I'm happy to, to hop on a call and, and chat. I love learning about people and where they're at. And so don't, don't hesitate to reach
0: out. I hope you take Alison up on this offer and we will of course include the link in the show notes so you can um, check out her website and connect with her on LinkedIn. Thank you, Alison, so much for being a part of the Manager Track podcast and sharing your
1: wisdom with us here. Well, Thank oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.